With recession becoming a real possibility in the near future, this week we're going to talk about what you should be doing now to prepare for a potential economic downturn. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And once again, we are visiting our favorite, least favorite topic of money. And this week, we're going to talk about inflation and recession and have veterinary clinics stop seeing new clients and stop sending out reminders. And if so, how is that going to affect us when the economy takes a downward turn? But before we get into that important conversation, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, you know, you and I have talked a lot the past year, quite frankly, about inflation and the worries of recession. And one of the things I've, I've shared with you and, and many of our colleagues uh, privately and at conferences and so forth is my fear that did we sort of shut down growth during the challenges of the pandemic? And by that, I mean, did we stop seeing new patients? Did we stop, stop sending out annual reminders? And if so, how is that going to impact a potential downward swing in the economy? So Becky, I want to have that conversation today about what I think we should be doing as clinics today to prepare for that. But I also want to get your opinion on like, what should vet teams be doing as well? So Becky, let's start off the conversation. Are you hearing people talking more or more about the worries of inflation and a potential recession out there? Uh, nope. I plug my ears. <laughs> I, la, 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 la. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, in fact, I was listening to the Oh my God, this is going to make me sound so ignorant, but I had like on like C-SPAN or something, you know, mm-hmm. and they were talking to like a big important guy in financial stuff, right? I can't remember who. And he was just like, yeah, like this is a real possibility. And, you know, we have to do something now to fix the housing crisis, fix the gas prices to, to do what we can. But no matter what we do, it, you know, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And that's what a lot of people are afraid of. And it's, it's worth paying attention to. It makes me feel old, but I'm realizing it's really important. Right. And as someone, Viewfinders, who has gone through several recessions and downward turns in the economies over the past 30 plus years in practice, you know, I can tell you when these things hit, they kind of hit quickly, suddenly, without much warning, even though people might have been projecting and predicting and and talking about it. But when it actually hits your front door or your lobby in this case, you know, you're suddenly like going, wow, wait, what? (laughs) Why are people booking appointments and where did everybody go? So, you know, I think one of the things that I want to make sure as we we talk about this is that it's important in this day and age with access to information more than we've ever had available before, you know, is to recognize that, okay, there are a lot of signals in the economy. We're having a lot of experts say, look, guys, it looks like it's going to happen. We don't know if it's going to be a a sharp, you know, steep one. We don't know if it's going to be a softer, shorter. We we just don't know. But I think that right now where where I'm worried, Becky, are the veterinary clinics that have told me, you know what, Ernie, I've got so much business right now. I can't handle it. Therefore, I'm going to stop sending out my vaccine reminders. Therefore, I'm not taking new clients. Those are the clinics that I'm a little concerned about if this thing goes south. It's, you know, I I don't know about the vaccine reminders. I don't know that I've heard that, honestly. But what I hear everywhere, like everywhere, is we're not taking new clients. And I see it, you know, I use the super fun Nextdoor app where everybody has really uh, constructive conversations and important (laughs) messages to send around. And uh, I do love it. And um, 
they they even talk about that. Where can I take my pet? I need my pet to be seen. Does anybody know who can, you know, and it's the hard stuff, right? Like my pet needs to be euthanized and I can't take them anywhere. And you're like looking at this, like, oh my gosh. And they go through and they're like, oh, I've already called that clinic. They're not taking new clients, you know, for this amount of time and that amount of time, you know, you can't get an appointment. It is crazy. So I worry about that because you're right. There's almost like this assumption, okay, my new clients are are my new clients and they're going to stay my new clients. And I'm sort of like, eek. Okay, so right. they they probably got the appointment because you gave it to them because they couldn't get it anywhere else. And when this all kind of settles, you know, I don't know how much the veterinary industry understands how I I mean, I see people talking all the time conversations about I don't I'm not great, I don't love my vet X Y and Z and then it's like my vet is amazing. Come and try them. And, you know, they, they quote unquote shop around. Right. Um, there used to be a time where we're shopping around for prices. They're shopping around now for like how they get along with their vet, how they like the clinic, uh, a whole lot more than they used to. So yeah, those clients are not guaranteed to you. Yeah, that's a really good point. And they're also shopping around for availability, as you mentioned. I think that's really important. You know, it's funny, Viewfinders, I was having a conversation recently with a veterinary practice owner. She has a small clinic, two vets. She has a part-time person or part-time veterinarian that works, you know, some with them. But uh, she had, we were talking about growth and she was like, you know, oh my gosh, you know, we're just so busy. And so she was one of those clinics that I was referring to. She stopped sending out annual reminders. And again, I, I said vaccines earlier and that was probably misspeaking Becky, to be honest, but you know, the annual reminders of, you know, and so she said, I did that because we were sending out these postcards and these emails and then we couldn't get the people in for like a month. So we just felt right. So the CSRs were being, you know, they were, they were getting punished for this. They're like, well, why did my dogs do this? And, and, you know, I, I think that in those situations, you're right. She's sort of making this assumption that things are going to continue like this for the foreseeable future. Like I'm so busy. I don't even, I can't even get you in for an annual exam, you know, for five weeks. And I just worry that when, when, if this recession hits and inflation really starts to affect our, our purchasing uh, habits, you know, what's going to happen? Because this stuff happens quickly in my experience. Well, okay. I would, I'm going to say the word argue and it's not even that, like, this is what we're here to do. Talk, right? I would give the, <laughs> offer the opinion, even without a recession, these folks are not guaranteed. You're, it is going to swing. The pendulum is going to swing. All of those puppies grow up. They stop coming in every couple of weeks. They get into that quote unquote middle life of where they may not get to the vet even every year. Um, so it's it's like this thing where it's even without the recession, even without a spending change, it's going to reduce. People are going to come less. And so the idea that you would have a recession on top of that is something I think we really need to have some red alert about. Yeah, and another red alert viewfinders, and that is the fact that during the last, you know, two, three, five years, consolidation has accelerated at a pace, of course, we've never seen in the United States. I mean, the UK is over 50% owned by corporate entities at this point, and the US is probably 25 to 35%. I mean, you know, depending on whose numbers you want to look at. But what that means, Becky, is that during the course of the pandemic, a lot of clinics sold or were acquired or shifted their, you know, ownership. And that is when when inflation and recessions hit, these larger corporate conglomerates, A, can use their purchasing power to leverage, you know, their deals. So they can get a better deal than an independently owned clinic in many instances. And again, if you're not involved with a, a group purchasing organization, it's another good thing to look at if you're out there trying to figure a way to, to save money. But on the other part of this, Becky, 
what I fear the most is those companies, because they've got so much investment capital behind them, they can play this game of acquisition during a downturn. So that means that they can actually reduce their fees because we know that when inflation and recession hits, the first thing people start to discriminate on is cost, right? So they go for the cheapest, whatever it is, because money's tight. And what I'm worried about is that a lot of these consolidated clinics are going to play this game of, okay, you know what? Let's put downward price pressure on the profession and let's gain a bunch of clients during this, this opportunity, right? Whereas an independently owned clinic doesn't have coffers of cash sitting back there to float them. You, you get where I'm going with this, Becky. This yeah. is a different time. And so, you know, when I've been talking to veterinary colleagues in business world the past, you know, several months, that's really, I can tell that that one, that idea, they're kind of going, wait a second. You're right. This is different. And they may play a different game. They may play a very different, more aggressive game. game. And, and Becky, again, so you're this independent clinic out there. You are at risk of losing your good loyal clinics because suddenly your clients are going, I can get it for half the price over here. Yeah. And, and they're probably better staffed because they're able to pull um, a larger pool of staff because of benefits and, and what they can offer to pay. Exactly. And, you know, they're more accommodating in a lot of ways because they have the ability to be and it's smothering for the independent veterinarian. I'm sure, uh, the pressure, I can't imagine the pressure for that. And so I I think it's kind of one of those things where, (laughs) Hey, I think we should get in front of it. Did you see that coming? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're right. And that's why we're saying again today, especially to independently owned clinics, you know, we're saying you really need to start to not look at how busy and overwhelmed you may be right now. But what about six months from now? How do you want to see your clinic poised for success a year from now? Because again, these things tend to take time to, to Im- make impact. And, and I just, I worry, Becky, too often that we're reactionary. And so suddenly now what happens, what has happened from and going through, going back to 1992 and 93, when I was first in practice having an economic uh, downturn and, and short re- brief recession at the time, you know, what you see our clients suddenly shifting their buying you know habits and they are demanding you know discounts and so forth and i just i do worry this time wow there may be somebody out there who can do it the other thing too becky is that there's one other element that makes this one different the fact is that we are going through a rapid inflationary period and that includes veterinary services and products for pets and so suddenly now are we at risk of really pricing ourselves out of a market so I, what i know becky a lot of independently owned clinics that i've been speaking with for the past year they've just kept raising 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 their prices right and this is a supply demand issue well what happens again when the demand dries up and then you're left with an oversupply and you know are we going to adjust our prices downward again i mean you know, I don't have an answer for that, but I'm just saying we've really got to be a lot more strategic with our decision-making when it comes to how are we reaching out to, to current clients? Are we trying to win back people that maybe didn't come to us during the pandemic? And what are we doing as far as pricing strategies? I mean, I know that's a mouthful, Becky, but this is this is real life. Yeah, but I think this is a good example too about like, okay, we'll outsource then because if we can identify the areas that we are not experts, there are a ton of experts out there who are willing to help you through these times and to foresee these times. So I would say if it, if it isn't your expertise, and I would argue we have a lot of veterinary management that it it isn't their expertise and they are doing the best that they can to learn on the fly or maybe taking some courses here and there it may be worthwhile to to work with a consultant to talk to a consultant um 
because because it's very realistic in I would argue even in corporate practices there will be an effect right sure we understand that corporates are also going to respond to these inflated prices and then possible um you know, decreased demand. So yes, they may be buying up, but it doesn't mean they won't also be consolidating. Yeah. And and again, viewfinders, I think Becky made a really important point. We've talked about it multiple times on the podcast. And that is, again, the shift in our workforce, right? I mean, we talk a lot about workforce shortages, which is real, but there's another element that Becky, you know, hinted at, and, and we've talked about it, you know, around the around the topic over the over the past several, you know, couple of years for sure. And that is, okay, did a lot of our staff, good, capable, competent staff, actually move away from independently owned clinics into these corporate entities that are providing better salaries, more upward mobility, you know, benefits and so forth? I would 100% say yes. And the reason I can say that is because I just went through a round of hiring veterinary technicians. And I can tell you, I received well over 100 applications. Granted, it's an online position, so it's open to a lot more technicians than you would be able to access in your one area. But I can tell you, they are seeking the good jobs. They are seeking the online positions. They are seeking the ability to mentor and be utilized. And they see that and they go for that. I had 80 qualified candidates for my position. There's no shortage. There's just a movement. Right. And I think that that sort of translocation of, of the workforce is really important. And Becky, like you, you know, Becky and I both have entrepreneurial you know, pursuits outside of, of this podcast. And uh, I was hiring a vet as well. And same thing, Becky, just overwhelming number of applicants. And there's one other thing too, Becky, I think that we've got to start to recognize as well. There seems to be, especially amongst the most young veterinarians, there seems to be a cohort of them that are like, I don't care if I ever work in a traditional practice, right? I'm happy just doing virtual consulting or remote practice or whatever. And so again, how will that impact how not not necessarily the profession, but how we deliver our services, right? And and so I think it's interesting. I mean, I know when I graduated from vet school over 30 years ago, Becky, the model was well established. It's like you go out into private practice, no matter what, you went into private practice, you know. And maybe you wound up in academia or corporate, but you know, private practice was sort of the benchmark, the foundation of your career. And I think think, Becky, we're probably entering an era where there may be some vet techs and some vets who just never actually do those traditional pathways. Are you, are you hearing that as well? Well, probably, yeah. With technicians, I think it is a super passion to go out and practice, be really hands-on. Um, because I think, I think veterinary technicians do look to be more of a tactile role in the clinic than maybe a cerebral and diagnostic role in the clinic. So, I But I do think that they come into the field with the intention and the understanding that they are, are now looking to move into industry. They are now looking to move into academia. They are seeking long-term elevation. Um, they are seeking the mentoring roles. You know, I was, I was so floored by how many technicians I encountered through the, the hiring process who had been in the field for 15, 20 years when we know that we have a lifespan of five to six on average. And these individuals are are so passionate about inspiring the next generation because they do have that passion and, and want to inspire technicians. So I think a lot of it is a little bit more like personal and emotional for the technician role. For veterinarians, I would observe, and this is a complete observation because I am not one, there's almost like a... Um, 
tentativeness now, right? As they mm-hmm. enter the field, right. understanding right. that it may not be the dream position they thought it was and that they have to be ready to pivot. And so I do think there's a lot more flexibility when they come out. And and I do think there are people out there saying to them, you know, research might be your jam and it might be your jam from day one. Industry might be your jam from day one. And there's nothing wrong with that because knowledge is knowledge and it's being applied. Right. That is a really good point. The other thing too, you know, viewfinders sort of like in the legal profession, I am running into not, not often, but some now veterinarians who like actually never get licensed. They don't even bother to take some of their boards, which I can, you know, you know, so, so you kind of, but, but, but Becky, this has been prevalent in the, in the law attorneys for years that they never take the bar. And so, you know, I'm seeing these vets that go, you know, what's the point? I want to go into industry, right? I want to be a corporate. And so I don't need the license. Right. I mean, I'm not practicing. So it's really it's just an interesting time. And I think that the reason I wanted to link this back to this whole thing of like, are we preparing for the future? I think we have to take this into account with our strategies to grow and maintain our clinics if we do enter into a recession. And then what happens on the other side of the recession? Yeah, and I think it it is worthwhile to think about it as a practice and as individual team members, the people you've got under you, because there's a trickle-down effect and they're going to feel it as well. And they're going to be coming to you and saying, I need a raise, I can't afford it. We talked about how can we help them through these gas price times and things like that. Um, It is really, it is something we need to think about as a whole but we also have to think about for our individual teams. And, and I argue giving your teams financial quote unquote counseling is an essential part of helping to manage them. Right. And one of the things too, that I started pushing during the pandemic viewfinders, and some of you might've seen some of these presentations I did, but I said, look, okay, if you can't see clients or, or you don't have the demand, right? Because at that time, everything was shut down, moving to curbside, whatever. I said, look, what you may want to do instead of like not doing anything is try to transition to virtual visits whenever possible. Again, this was already an established VCPR, so there was no reason you couldn't have your associates and they could do this from home. Well, one of the things I've been floating now, Becky, is, okay, let's say you're an independently owned clinic and you have a a vet, a young vet, and she's, he or she, we can say she because that's 90%, but anyway, they they, um, are saying, you know, look, I want to reduce my clinic hours. Well, an option might be to say, hey, that's great. You know, what about picking up, you know, a half a day uh, a week doing virtual appointments from home. So I think there's ways to get creative to increase your capacity and maybe keep these people in your clinic, right? Because if you don't, if you don't offer them some solution, Becky, again, they're just going to be they're going to be looking for that next shiny bright thing. And you, yeah, right? Can 100% shine. I mean. You would be, there is so much efficiency that is being lost through a lack of utilization. And I also think we have a tendency to not give our CSRs as much guidance as they could possibly maybe use to be super efficient. Um, I, I regularly think they're slightly overlooked in the training and guidance department. And that's often because we know management doesn't doesn't have that background, right? They're usually from the back and they get promoted up, Right. So I think that we should be looking in that space because when you talk about reminders and you talk about client interaction, th- this is a gold mine. Right. And so, so again, viewfinders, uh, we do want to give you some action points, if you will. I mean, things to think about at least. And that is you really should look at what is your current 
you know, roll, how, how do you take new clients, right? I mean, are you, are you not? And if you're not, I think you need to critically reevaluate right now. Like I would start to say, okay, what happens if over the next six months I were to lose 15, 25% of my current volume? Would that allow me to see these people? Because it might be worth, you know, bring him into to your clinic fold, if you will. So I, I really, Becky, you know, I think right now, this is the time when if you're at all able to somehow start to accommodate new clients. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, because again, assuming that we're, we're headed towards a recession, long or short, we don't know. But, you know, what do you think about new clients right now if, if a clinic is shut down on that? So it's no more. It is terrifying to me. And I think that there's a, a way to say, okay, we're going to accept three new clients this week. And if we don't get those, we're, there'll be rollover clients, right? We'll accept mm-hmm. six next week. Um, there has to be a way to continue the growth in your clinic. And additionally, I think you need to be really looking at your numbers and making sure that all of those clients that you're leaning into so hard are continuing to come back. Yeah. And, and Laura, my wife, you know, for all the years, she said the most important report a vet clinic should be monitoring is the attrition report. So like, are you losing people? Do you even know right. if you're losing people? How, how, why? <laughs> you know, I mean, so those are phone calls in many instances and most people in our experience moved. So it wasn't like they were switching vets, but I think you need to keep a pulse on that. So again, I really think that I'm with Becky you need to look at the numbers. You need to get data to make these decisions. And then you need to be able to come come up with an answer saying, we can take two or three appointments this week, new, new clients this week, or whatever it might be. Because I think if we just sort of lick our finger and hold it up to the wind, you know, yeah. you're always going to say, oh, we can't take anyone. And you really may have the capacity that you don't think. So again, rethinking that. The second thing is, what is your current reminder strategy? I think that you need to probably start getting back into the old habits. Because if you send out postcards today, typically they're going to have a shelf life of two to four weeks, right? So people are going to book an appointment and that appointment's not going to be for, again, maybe a month. It just depends on when they're due and so forth. So I would really encourage you to look at your reminder strategy in a I guess, Becky, in a prospective fashion, right? I mean, assuming that things may start to tighten up a little bit, you know, I want to get these people rolling in the in the process. Does that make sense? Sure. I think one thing we really miss out on is booking clients before they leave the clinic. Like I always refer back to the dentist office. I don't get out of there without booking an appointment and they're like at the door, you know, they don't let you leave. And so I don't know why we don't necessarily practice that as often in just saying, let's get you on the schedule. And of course, if you need to change it, no problem, but at least we've got you down. And then you're making generally a personal interaction by calling and confirming the appointment, which is a lot more personal and a lot less likely to fall off, right? They're not going to call, cancel, and then you're not going to reschedule. The other thing I think we're really underutilizing is technology. I love to book an appointment by text message. It's all I want in the world is to book online. So if you can send me a text reminder that says, hey, your dogs are due for, you know, preventative is, you know, we don't if we send a client out of the clinic with three months of preventative, then we put three month reminder on the calendar to call them personally and say, Hey, it's time to come in. You know, can I ship this to you? Can you come by and get it? When will we see you? The compliance is going to increase. The relationship is going to increase. And there's so much technology out there that frees our CSR for personal interactions and ensuring that those clients are coming back in um, that we're just not using. We we think we can't afford it, but we can, and we don't need them in here anyway. We're too busy. I mean, 
I hear a, a plethora of excuses that I frankly are going to to be very detrimental to clinics, like you've said. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, let's just really get down, look at the data, critically evaluate and start to make plans, not just for the overwhelming sensation you feel right now, but what if that were to loosen up a little bit? Because unfortunately, I think it is. The final thing too, Becky, is just maybe this is all, well, there's two things. Really. The, the other is winning back clients that haven't been to see you. I know that a lot of pet parents just for a lot of reasons, good reasons, uh, some not so good reasons, just didn't go to veterinarian during the pandemic, right? So are you actively engaging those people and trying to win them back into your clinic? A lot of clinics have not because it's sort of like the, the we're not taking new clients. Well, we don't want the old ones who didn't come back, you know? So it might be, uh, this might be time to start to look at that strategy. And even if you don't deploy any of these strategies, at least you're starting to think about what your options are because let's say things do start to turn south, you really want to get ahead of it. And the final thing, Becky, that I want to really get into was um, you need to be aware that there may be a translocation of our workforce. And so what can you do, especially for independent clinics, to try to, you know, lure them back in and say, hey, you know, we're we're actually a great place to work. And Becky, gosh, we've we've had multiple podcasts on that exact topic, you know, but I think it's, it's part of your strategy, right? I think like you, Becky, sometimes I get frustrated. We just don't think about the things that we ought to be thinking about enough. Yeah, I mean, we, it's because we have so many other things to think about, and I and I and that's where I'm going to just go full circle and say, then pay somebody else to think about it because there there are people who do a really good job at helping with these strategies for seeing and protecting you against them. But you know, when you when you talk about making it a great place to work, please understand you, you have to because other people are. And they're looking for your team members and they're enticing your team members because they need great people and you've got great people and they're going to, they're going to take them because it's a great place to work. Yeah. And we did uh, viewfinders that podcast on what happens when your problems follow you, right? So you leave one clinic for hopefully a better and it turns out not so better. I will say this, you, if you're thinking of changing jobs, like we said in that podcast, you really want to critically evaluate that next offer because they are getting more savvy and I would argue aggressive, Becky, with their marketing. I mean, they literally, it seems like utopia in many of these places and you're like going, wow, that's too good to be true and some sometimes it is. So I think, you know, we've got to be aware also that a lot of times our, our, our staff, our current staff are really seeing messages that are completely tailored you know, created to sort of influence and persuade them to move over. And, you know, Becky, are we doing enough to kind of keep those communication lines open? You, you know what I'm saying there, Becky? It's like these people are savvy when it comes to knowing what buttons to push on a person who might think about leaving. Oh, yeah. Like, understand your employees don't have to be looking for a job to find a new one. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> They're just falling out of the sky. Yeah. Or at least out of the internet, or your, they're falling you know. out of everywhere, right? <laughs> right? They're like it's it's worse than than extended warranties at this point because people are so desperate. <laughs> they're investing in those recruiters, and those recruiters know how to find you through keywords. They know how to find you through social media. You know, I see ads all the time just because I teach at a a, a college right. for vet tech colleges, just because I'm saying it out loud. And we all know that that's the case now, right? They're listening. Yeah. So just the fact that you work in a hospital says you're. Yeah. And I will tell you, viewfinders, I am with Becky on this conspiracy theory that every device must be listening to me because I don't know if you're like me, but man, suddenly ads are targeting me. And I've, I didn't even 
do a Google search. It's like what Laura and I were talking about. <laughs> you know, and suddenly it's like, oh, it's so scary. Well, viewfinders, I'd love to know what you guys think about this. You know, are, what are you doing to sort of prepare for a potential recession? Have you reevaluated your stand on taking new clients or trying to win back clients that have lapsed in care? What about reminders and even hiring? Uh, I mean, again, I think these are big, big issues, but if you start to break them into little bitty bites, Becky, I mean, I think it's one of those deals where you can probably eat the whole thing and, you know, but you just got to be strategic about it. I'd really like to hear what you guys are doing out there. Yeah, you know where to find us. Let us know how it's going for you and, and what your thoughts are. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. You can tweet at Vet Viewfinder and send us an email. You guys have been sending more and more. I love them uh, at Veterinary Viewfinder gmail.com. Yeah, and definitely share it on your social media. Like we've been really pleasantly surprised. Uh, lately, a lot of our content has been kind of spreading out there organically, and we want to thank you so much for sharing that. But these are important conversations. Many times they are very controversial, and we appreciate you guys sparking those conversations throughout areas of the of the vet med internet that we don't get to. And so we really appreciate it. Again, you can always go to Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts, sorry, and give us five stars. We'll have links in the show notes. For, that helps us reach more colleagues who maybe need to hear these uh, these uh, messages as well. So Becky, again, I think that uh, I want to send you an email. Where's that email address one more time? Veterinaryviewfinder.com. <laughs> we love it, guys. Stay safe. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.